G'day, Troy Dean from WP Elevation, and welcome to episode 26 of the WP Elevation podcast. Our feature guest this week is Chris Ducker from the Philippines. He is the go-to guy when it comes to helping entrepreneurs build virtual teams. And in this episode, you're going to learn the importance of building a virtual team and surrounding yourself with some people who can help you scale your business and take your business to the next level. That is what we are all about here at WP Elevation. Stay with us. Let's elevate. This is the WP Elevation podcast, helping WordPress consultants elevate. This episode of the WP Elevation podcast is brought to you by WP Elevation, the world's first business accelerator program designed to help WordPress consultants attract better clients, work on better projects, and get paid better fees. Check it out at wpelevation.com. And of course, part of building a business as a WordPress consultant is making sure that you have some support and some help around you to get some things done. Take some of those tasks off your desk so that you can concentrate on the higher value tasks that you should be performing in the business. That might be building relationships with designers or doing uh, joint ventures with other partners or speaking at conferences or producing content, blogging to attract some traffic to your business and position yourself as the go-to person. We're going to talk about all of this in this interview with Chris Ducker from Virtual Staff Finder and Location 63 in the Philippines. Chris has a book coming out on the 1st of April called Virtual Freedom, and we're going to give away a copy of that book in the interview. Uh, the tip of the week this week, of course, the elevation tip every week, and it's no surprise that this week the elevation tip is this. Take one thing that you are doing in your business that is a repetitive task that doesn't actually require you to do it. It might be setting up WordPress on a development server and installing your favorite plugins and theme to start working on a site for a client and work out how you can delegate that task to someone else. Now, you don't have to have a virtual assistant in place to delegate it to. It might just be someone, a colleague that you know, someone who works in the office with you in the co-working space, or you might find someone on Elance or Odesk to do this for you. But I really encourage you to start thinking about the kinds of tasks that you can delegate to someone else. That is the elevation tip this week. We have had great success in our business because we've been able to delegate tasks to other people. As some of you know, I have an assistant, Kristen, who helps me with the podcast. We have Chris, our post-production producer, who does all the editing on the podcast. Uh, We have uh, some staff in the Philippines who help us with development. And it has been a huge uh, advantage for us to get some support and some help in the business to help us take the business to the next level. All right, I'm very excited about this interview. There's tons of gold in here, so make sure you stay with us and uh, keep your ears out for the details on how to enter the draw to win Chris's book, Virtual Freedom. All the show notes and everything you need are underneath this video. So without further ado, let's meet Chris Ducker. G'day, Troy Dean here from WP Elevation, and I'm very pleased to have with me all the way from Cebu City in the Philippines, Chris Ducker. Morning, Chris. Actually, it's afternoon, isn't it? It is, and it's nice to see you again. <laughs> <laughs> Likewise. For those of you that don't know, uh, we're going to talk a lot about what Chris does. Uh, I met Chris at a Business Blueprint conference in the Sunshine Coast at the start of last year. Chris runs an outsourcing uh, company in the Philippines and a, and a facility called Location 63 and has a new book coming out on the 1st of April called Virtual Freedom. And guess what? We're going to give a copy of that away. So stick around for details on how you can enter that competition a little bit later on. All right, Chris, before we start talking about outsourcing and virtual freedom and web and VAs and all that kind of exciting stuff, tell me, when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? 
I wanted to be, you know what I wanted to be? I wanted to be Han Solo. That's what I wanted to be. <laughs> I was, I was the biggest, I'm still a big Star Wars nerd actually, but um, no, I did. I, I, you know, I, I look back actually, I think, you know, I did the whole, I want to be a firefighter. I want to be, I think I wanted to be a postman at one point as well. I thought that was going to be a really cool career choice. Um, but no, ultimately <laughs> I think that was like my biggest thing as a kid. I wanted to be Han Solo. Not exactly you know, captain of the Millennium Falcon, but something cool like that, you know, didn't quite work out. Became an entrepreneur, which is pretty cool anyway. Right, it's very cool. It's kind of like the modern day, ver- I mean, Han Solo was an entrepreneur, wasn't yeah. he? I know, yeah, he was. He was. He, he was, was a dodgy he... one, but he, yeah. yeah. It, <laughs> he was, he was, he, was. Cha- he was chartering flights back then. I mean, he that was, was, yeah, he was, he was like, he was like the original Richard Branson. With, with a laser gun, so way cooler. <laughs> very Dick. cool. Way cooler, yeah. Very cool. Um, when did you discover the web? Oh, good one. Um, I think it was, it, it must have been around, I'm going to think back here a little bit. I think it was probably around 90, God, I'm going to show my age here now, which is why I have no hair, probably about 92, 93 originally. And it was, uh, I got I got a CompuServe email address. I don't know, you're probably too young to remember these, but. No, I'm not actually. Are oh, you not? Good God. Okay. So I'm in good company. Um, they, I think they started the 103 dot nine four six 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 eight eight at compuserve.com that was my first ever email address um quite ridiculous if you think back to it but yeah that was what it was and i think i i had my first website built probably around 96 something along those lines i think oh, yeah wow and and what was do, do, do you remember the first website that you saw like when you when you got access to the internet what was the first thing you went looking for you can, can i mean this is a family show can you say that <laughs> But believe me, right. we've, we've had yeah. some guests. We've had some yeah. guests. Well, uh, yeah, no doubt. Um, I can't. I think it probably must have been. Uh, it probably it probably would have been something related to like Bruce Lee, or because I'm a big Bruce fan. Or right. I was I was involved online in the mid to late '90s in the Hong Kong film industry quite heavily. So it was probably something related to um, you know Hong Kong movies or Bruce or something like that. Yeah. Cool. And you're a big fan of WordPress for our audience who are all WordPress consultants. Uh, when was the, do you remember seeing the WordPress dashboard for the first time and, and what was your thinking about it? What was your feeling? It was, um, well, actually what it was, it was, it was late 2009. I started playing around with the idea of blogging, right? So um, I, uh, no, hang on. No, it was earlier than that. It would have been probably around 2008-ish, 2008-ish where we had our first company uh, for, 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 the, for our firm now, Live to Sell, where we had um, our first company website built. Um, I can't really remember a whole lot about it, um, but I do remember thinking it was easy to navigate. Mm. And with somebody who's not that brilliantly technically inclined, I appreciated that. It wasn't really until January 2010 when I started blogging that I really got into it with all the plugins and the bells and the whistles and everything. But yeah, it probably would have been around about that time. We're going to talk a little bit more about your blogging uh, a little later on, um, but before we get there, let's just talk about what what it is you do in one sentence today. When you meet someone for the first time and they say, "Hey, Chris, what do you do? How do you? What's your elevator pitch, so to speak?" I usually say something along the lines of, "I help bring calm to the entrepreneurial storm by showing uh, business owners how to build virtual teams." Something along those sort of lines. Nice. Pretty concise. Nice. Yeah, pretty that's, concise. that's very concise. Um, and what do you spend most of your time actually doing day to day? Nowadays is yeah. creating content. Um, right. That's what I do. I, I, I write, I record uh, podcasts, I shoot video, 
Um, I do a lot of these interviews now, which I'm very blessed for. I love being in front of other people's audiences. And yeah, really, I'm just a content creator now. I've, I fundamentally have pretty much put all of my businesses, not necessarily on autopilot, but um, I don't spend that much time in the day-to-day running of the businesses, which is exactly what I went out to do, obviously. Mm. So we're going to talk a little bit more about content in detail, but at what point did you realize that content was the highest value task that you should be doing in your business? I think probably around middle of 2010. Um, I've been blogging pretty solidly. I started my first podcast in April of that year as well. And uh, I remember getting a blog comment from somebody on a post in regards to virtual assistants that I wrote. And it was probably something completely generic, like five top tips to working with VAs or something like that. But there was this blog post that came through, and it was something along the lines of, you know, I've, I've read the four-hour work week. I would, have, I would love to be able to work with VAs, but everyone I've tried to work with hasn't worked out for this, that, or the other reason. If only there was a source that I trusted, like you, Chris, in relation to this content that provided that kind of service, I'd pay for that. And I just thought, okay, well, the guy's just told me he trusts me mm. because of the content that I'm putting out. Um, and then four weeks later, we gave birth to Virtual Star Finder. So I didn't sit on that idea for very long at all. I jumped all over it. And here we are four years later, and we've helped probably close to, I think, it must be close to about 2,000 entrepreneurs now in the last four years find their VAs. It's been awesome. Wow. So yeah. that so it was built it was built directly as a result of, of solving someone's problem who, who yeah. commented on a blog post and said, this is a problem I have. I yeah. would pay money if someone could solve this problem. Exactly. And so not only did we create the business based upon that blog comment, um, but at that point I realized how important content genuinely was. Mm. And so we just we decided you know, we dropped all SEO that we were doing. Um, and, uh, you know, cause I mean, but bear in mind, you know, this was 2010 before this panda and platypus or whatever the hell they call it nowadays. <laughs> right. So all that sort of stuff, uh, you know, came along yeah. SEO worked, um, yeah, but we yeah. decided that we were, instead of going to put our resources towards, you know, link building and all that sort of stuff, um, we would focus more on, uh, you know, uh, content research, creation, curation, and repurposing of that content. And that's pretty much what we're still doing now. And mm. it works great. I had a, um, a mentor, Ed Dale was my mentor for about six months. And for those of you that don't know, Ed Dale's a, a, he's been very successful in the internet marketing space in Australia. Uh, they call him the thunder from down under. Uh, he you know, has, has a whole SEO team. He's, he's been really successful at, at optimizing and systemizing his business. And he's been right on the cutting edge of these kind of techniques. And the one thing he said to me is, you don't write blog posts for SEO. You write SEO posts for SEO. You write blog posts to get your opinion and your thoughts and your vision out into the public sphere so that you become a trusted source of information. And they're yeah, two very I'd, different beasts. I'd agree with that, absolutely. I mean, every single piece of content that I create, regardless of what type of content it is, whether it be a, a written post, a podcast, or a, or a video, I try to do one of three things, and if possible, all three things every single time. The first one is to educate, mm. the second one is to inspire, mm. and the third one is to entertain. If I can do those three things in each piece of content that I create, um, or, or at least the majority of pieces of content that I create, then I believe that I'm on a winner. You know? 
You know, it's funny, every interview I've been doing recently, there usually comes up a little nugget where I stop and say, that was worth the price of admission alone. And given it's a free podcast, that's not bad. And I think you, I think you just gave us the nugget very early on. All right, well, nice seeing you. Take care. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, it'll all go downhill from here. That'll be it. <laughs> so educate, inspire, and entertain. That's awesome. And is that, has that been something that's evolved organically? Or was that a, did you sit down and go, right, the three things I have to do with every piece of content is to educate, inspire, and entertain? No, not really. I mean, I, I think I just, you know, because we don't really know what we're doing when we get started, right? We're more likely to create content that we think that our audience is going to like for whatever reason. Um, and then I think over time, your audience tells you what type of content they need from you. And so, you know, I mean, if you think about it logically, right, it's it's very, very tough nowadays to be completely original because it's everything that's you know, going to be said has already been said to a certain degree. Mm. Every, every answer to every question that your audience is going to have has probably already been answered by someone else. Every solution they need to every problem they've got has probably already been put together and has been sold right now somewhere. Mm. Um, so it's tough to be 100% original uh, with that type of stuff. But what is 100% original is you. Mm-hmm. and your brand and what you stand for, your personality, your stories, your experience. So I find that if you bring that to the majority of the content that you create, then I mean, you can't really go wrong. I mean, if I look back over all of the really good stuff that I've done that's been very, very well received, that's gone maybe somewhat viral, you know, that sort of type of stuff, it genuinely is Chris Ducker. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, I'm not perfect, I, I you know, Thunder from down under. I, I don't even have a nickname, so that's how <laughs> unperfect I am. Um, but but I mean, you know, the fact the fact is that you know I I just try and do my best to try and answer questions and provide solutions. And I I think that if you do that with the right amount of um, passion and actionable quality, so people can genuinely pull the trigger on something, then you're gonna you know you're gonna be onto a winner at the end of the day. How do you think? I mean, I want to go a little bit deeper on this. How, how, how do you, how do you do that? Because I mean, this this is one of the. Th- I mean, we all have the voices of self doubt in your head, right? Where you're going to start a podcast or write a blog post, or uh, I've started contributing to other blogs recently who have much bigger readerships than we do. And every time I get halfway through writing a blog post, I'm like, oh, you know, is this just a carbon copy of something else that someone else has said? How do you, I mean, I have my process, but how do you make sure that you're bringing your own personality to it and that you're not just regurgitating everything that you've heard from elsewhere? Well, the easiest way to do it is to talk about your experiences. Um, and I think that is something that, you know, it's, it's not easy for everybody, particularly if they're just getting started because they've only had a certain amount of experience, right, across the board. Mm. But, you know, I, you know, I, I, I try to bring a certain amount of that to, you know, a lot of the stuff that I produce, maybe not everything, but a lot of the stuff that I do. And that helps for sure. Um, I think the other thing is, you know, genuinely, genuinely listening to your audience, like actually answering their questions um, in blog posts, in podcast episodes, in YouTube videos, you know, and, and not just telling that person about it when, when you do that, um, but then asking that person to tell their friends about it as well. Like literally every question I've ever received on the subject 
of outsourcing or virtual assistants or building and working with virtual teams. Every question I've received at some point in the last four years of being active online, I have answered in either a blog post, a podcast, or a video. And whenever I do that, I always reply back to that person and say, here's the answer to your question. Please make sure you share it with all your friends. I'm sure they've probably got the same type of questions. And that just helps the message spread that much further. So I think it's about your experiences, but it's also about just asking. You know, a lot of people are scared to ask. Mm. Um, I'm definitely not scared to ask in any way whatsoever. And it hasn't hurt me. So I think we need to ask more. (laughs) Yeah, it's great advice. And you've just, you've actually just given me a kick up the pants because I, (laughs) I made a decision at the start of this year that every email that came into my inbox asking me like a pre-sales question or even a support question, that instead of answering the email, I would write a blog post about it or shoot a video or do something and then give that person a link to that piece of content which would answer their question, create some great content which helps in your traffic and hopefully stops you from having to answer that question again because you can just point the person to that blog post because most questions you get asked more than once, right? Yeah. Well, I haven't got around to doing that just yet. I'm still stuck in my bloody inbox. So you've just given me the motivation I need. I'm going to work really hard at doing that. Thank you very much. Well, you, you don't need to do it for every single question you get. Like the way we actually have a system in place where I have somebody else pretty much manage my email for me, right? So um, for the bulk of it anyway. So the, our rule is three. If we get the same question three times, mm. then I'll create a piece of content that's based around that. It might, not, it might not necessarily be solely answering that question, but I'll make sure that within the sphere of this post or this podcast episode, I will answer that question plus others as well. Because otherwise, you just, you've got way too much content that you need to create. And yeah. as much as I love creating content and getting yeah. it out there, there's only so many hours in each you know, day. So you want to make sure you don't overload yourself too yeah. much as well. I'm curious, do you type or do you dictate uh, when you make content? Uh, I, when I'm, yeah, I type. I type it. I type it, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, pretty much I'll always type. I mean, there might be the odd occasion where I will, you know, record something, but knowing full well that I might even end up using that in some capacity for a podcast or something in the future. So it won't just me it won't just be me kind of dictating stuff like I'll actually pretend that I'm live on a call when I'm recording that. But ultimately, if it's written content, I'll sit and physically type it. Yeah. Right. Um, I, I just I'm a terrible typist. That's why I asked. I'll try and dictate everything because I'm just useless. But I'm trying to learn to touch type. Um, what's the number one thing that keeps you awake at night about your business? I, you know what? I don't have many fears like that. Um, I don't have many issues like that. Uh, I think, I mean, I think the biggest fear that I probably have is losing big clients, right? So people see the stuff that I do online and they don't, they don't necessarily even know that I'm the brick and mortar business owner as well. I've got 260 something odd people working for me in a call center, which I own as well as the recruitment company and the co-working space as well. So the other two businesses kind of run themselves and there's a certain turnover of client base and that's great and we love that. But with the call center, you know, when you've got that many people involved, um, for a large client to pull for whatever reason mm. uh, would hurt the business financially. Mm. Um, personally, I'm financially okay, mm. but it would mean that X amount of people within my work family would end up losing their jobs ultimately because mm. You know, if we've got a, a 60, 70 seat customer service client from the United States that ends up pulling, 
Now I've got 50, 60 people that are out of jobs because I can't afford to carry on paying them unless the income's there. So I would have thought, you know, that's always a, a bit of a, a, a bit of a fear. But I generally don't kind of fear anything like that nowadays. I, I sleep pretty soundly, thankfully. Nice. Um, yeah, whiskey helps as well. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> I'm a bourbon guy. I'm a bourbon guy. <laughs> Um, this kind of dovetails into the next question, but if you could wave a magic wand and fix one thing about your, your professional life right now, what would it be? I would probably clone myself. I mean, I know that's a, a pretty, uh, God forbid, there's only, there's only room in this world for one Chris Ducker. No, I, I, would, I would probably try and clone myself from a content creation perspective um, because it does take up a certain amount of time to do it right. Uh, and we we always make sure that we do it right internally. So yeah, I mean, ultimately, you know, I've I've kind of I've done the whole kind of replace myself thing within the the business and remove myself day to day and all that sort of stuff because of the team that I built up ver- both virtually uh, out you know outside the facility as well as inside the facility. So I've 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 done pretty much a lot of stuff that I think a lot of people would probably come up with as the answer to that question. But yeah, I mean, being able, you know, having someone to either cloning myself or having someone to lean on more for the content would be great. But the problem is, is that the content pretty much always has to come from the authority source. Mm. Uh, and and you know, I'm I'm you know, I've been lucky to carve myself this uh, niche within the particularly within the online business world as the go-to guy when it comes to VAs, particularly here in the Philippines. So there's not too many other people around that could end up writing my blog post for me mm. unfortunately so in a perfect world would you have would you have uh someone else or a team creating content and then you just come in and edit it and shape it and put your spin yeah. on it and add yeah. your personality and hit publish yeah that's exactly what it is and in my eyes and that's why we don't live in a perfect world you can't do that mm. the content has to come from you yeah it has to Nine times out of ten, you know, unless you're running these tiny little niche sites that are running on AdSense earnings and things like that, uh, that's a different ball game completely. That stuff should be focused, but I mean, uh, uh, outsourced rather. But if you're focusing on building a business or a brand uh, or just a site, you know, just a blog or a podcast, you need to come up with that content yourself. Uh, you can pretty much get someone to help you out with everything else, mm. but the actual creation of that content must come from within you. This is a fascinating. I want to I want to go deeper on this in a minute because this is this kind of ties into the whole personal branding uh, conversation, and so I really want to go deep on this. But just before we do, what do you? How do you unwind? What do you do when you're not working? Like, how do you how do you get your keep your head together? <laughs> I get beaten up by my five year old a lot of the time. <laughs> I mean, I, I I spent and I kid you not, um, I spent the first three hours of Saturday morning playing with dinosaurs, and I'm not exaggerating we literally had the entire floor in the living room just covered with dinosaurs and it was that's what i do to unwind man um you know and it's it's all about the kids you know Mm. i have two older kids i've got an 18 year old boy and a 15 year old uh, daughter as well they you know keep me busy in other ways but my five-year-old kind of just you know he wants he wants to play all the time and that's so that's really, you know, the, the main thing that I kind of do to unwind, to be honest with you. Um, when I'm not doing that, you know, I like to shoot hoops. I'm a basketball fan, so I like to shoot hoops. And uh, I go to yoga three or four times a week and, and swim and stuff like that. But ultimately, it always comes down to the kids, always. And do you find, just to touch on the yoga and some of the physical activity that you do, because I'm always, I'm always 
uh, one of the one of the challenges that entrepreneurs have is because we get so in the zone and we kind of put the blinkers on and get so focused in our work that sometimes it's hard. Even when we're not at work and we're with our family and we're do, and we're playing other roles in our life, it's hard to stay present with the family or with you know the partner or the children. And sometimes mm-hmm. there's, the work thing is still always kind of bugging you, and you're, you maybe you're not quite present. You're still thinking about how to solve that problem. Does the does the yoga and the physical activity help you stay present with your family when you're with your family and kind of disconnect from work? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it probably does at the end of the day. I, I tend to not think about it too much. There's certainly times every now and then when I'll be on the mat in the studio and something will pop into my head or when I'm, you know, grabbing a rebound from a three throw or something like that, you know. But ultimately, uh, yeah, ultimately I, I try to, to really switch off because it's tough. You know, being an entrepreneur, being a business owner, being an employer, a creator, a product, service, whatever, mm. it's really, really hard. And you know, it's not for everybody. Mm. And I have failed horribly on a number of occasions at switching off and getting too, uh, you know, too kind of transfixed with work and things like that. And it beats you up, man. I mean, mm. I've burnt out twice in my career. It ain't pretty when it happened. I mean, I'm talking full-on proper burnout, not I'm tired, I need to take a couple of days off. I'm talking I'm no good to anyone for anything anywhere leave me alone for a month kind of thing you know mm. and that those kind of periods are they're not they're not friendly periods at all <laughs> so I, I when I when I switch off I really try uh, and switch off properly and I think a lot of that comes with experience and age and general you know wisdom right mm. that's why I have no hair I'm <laughs> <laughs> getting too old <laughs> all right so let's talk about you know <clears throat> Let's talk about, there's been this fascinating kind of collision of forces over the last, I don't know, five years where, you know, everyone was reading the E-Myth Revisited, then everyone was reading the 4-Hour Workweek, and there's, there's been this kind of real push for entrepreneurs to get systems and processes and help around them to help them grow their business. Um, how, how did... How did the virtual assistant thing come about for you and why did you decide okay you know was it was it purely a timing thing or was it was it okay the timing's right now to offer this product or or this service or was it you know what I've seen how this has benefited me so much in my business I just want to share this message with the world it was basically the latter yeah I mean I was I was working with freelance um, VAs for years before the four-hour work week came out and Tim made it kind of a household kind of name right for entrepreneurs but um yeah i mean when i started blogging in 2010 i did so with the goal of removing myself from the business by the end of that year and so every month i was creating these monthly reports where i was basically uh i was basically showing people what i was doing to remove myself from the business and a lot of that came down to delegating uh because i was just like any other 14 15 hour a day six days a week micromanaging Business, you know, business owner, mm. and so I, I, you know, I struggled with some of that that year, and I pulled myself out slowly but surely, and then people resonated with that, and so I just after that I just took it to the next level and showed. Well, I didn't, you know, in in March I told you that I took myself out of the training department of my business. Now I'm going to show you exactly how I did that, and so you know I, I started breaking down the training modules that I was I was physically teaching myself. Then I started writing SOPs in place for actually teaching other people. There was a ton of work that went behind it. And when I started showing people how I was doing those things, that really resonated. And uh, it kind of just grew from there. But, yeah, the focus was definitely was, was, for me anyway, 
this is what's possible. This is how I've done it. Let me show you so that you can go ahead and do likewise. Um, some people will read that and then do nothing. Mm. Uh, but there will be some people that will read or listen or watch and they'll plug it into their business. They'll see results and then they start spreading the word. Mm. And uh, you get that kind of mi micro kind of viral effect on, on people finding you. And, and that's really where it starts to spread, you know. And so you said, for those that don't know, uh, Chris is uh, check out location sixty three. What the URL is location sixty three dot com. Is that right? It's dot net location sixty three dot net. So check out location sixty three dot net. I've been there. I've visited the, the premises. It's beautiful. Uh, it's in Cebu City. Um, you run a very tight ship there. What and you mentioned before that you've become the go to guy for helping entrepreneurs build virtual teams. What I'm curious about is, was that a conscious decision, or did it just happen organically? Where where one day you went, hmm. There's something in this. I'm kind of building a bit of a reputation. I'm going to put my foot on the pedal and go for this. Or was it? Did you just put your foot on the pedal from the start? No, I mean I started talking about VAs and how I was working with them. Like I said, and then you know by the end of that year, not only had I removed myself from the business, but I'd done it in such a way that people were coming to me mm. as the VA guy. Mm. Uh, and once I realised that, um, I kind of ran with it a little bit to see what would happen, and it got you know better and better. But I'll be frank with you, early 2012, I started struggling with it because I'd already been in the space for a couple of years. I was already getting invited to speak at conferences on the subject of virtual teams and all the rest of it, which I was accepting a lot of. And I didn't want to be pigeonholed as the VA guy. And I did. I had kind of a, uh, you know, uh, a Jedi dark side type, to use a, a Star Wars analogy there, kind of conflict for a while in terms of do I want to just be known as the VA guy or, you know, is there another avenue that I can kind of look at? But once I realized that really the way forward for me, my brand and my business as a whole was to not only be the VA guy, but then show people how to plug that concept of virtual teams and virtual collaboration into the many different areas of their business, such as just day-to-day -day admin, marketing, social media, content, you know, all the rest of it. You know, we kind of broadened that pigeonhole. It was still there, but we broadened the pigeonhole. We bought it out a little bit. Um, and that was definitely the best decision I've ever made, probably from a career perspective, because it just opened the floodgates. Well, once I accepted it, I said, this is it. I'm going to, it's been, you know, handed to me. Uh, I didn't, you know, necessarily initially go out for it. But it's been handed to me. Now I'm going to run with the baton. And that's mm. exactly what we've done. So tell me, uh, we, part, of, um, part of WP Elevation is we, we educate and coach the WordPress consultants about scaling their business and putting systems in place. And part of that is outsourcing or hiring or insourcing or whatever you, however you want to call it. And I see a lot of people having challenges with starting the process. So there's a couple of questions here. First question is, why do you think mm. outsourcing is so beneficial and we had dave jennings uh, who you know I, I know you know we had him on a webinar a few months back about outsourcing and i just want to get your take on why outsourcing is so important and what you should be looking to use outsourcing for in your business like the kinds of things that you should be giving to virtual assistants if someone's just starting off in this space what's the kind of thing they should be looking at delegating first and then i want to talk about why you think some people have a mental block about this whole outsourcing thing and why they just never take the step yeah, let's talk about that one first. I, I, okay. I, don't think it's a I, I don't think it's a mental block that people have. I just think that their minds as entrepreneurs are 
pre-programmed with this misconception that to be successful, you've got to do everything yourself. Um, and society has now got us to the point where not only do we have to do everything ourselves, but um, you know, society has made us believe that in order to be successful, not only we've got to do everything, but we've now got to do it for 15 hours a day. Um, and based upon my own personal experience, I can tell you right now, being a stressed out, micromanaging 15 hour a day entrepreneur does not make you a more successful business owner. It just makes you a micromanaging, more stressed out, hard worked, tiring entrepreneur. Um, because the moment I pulled myself back and started getting involved in the whole delegation side of it, um, my business skyrocketed mm. because I was focusing on the high level tasks mm. that I should be focusing on, <clears throat> such as strategizing for growth, you know, new products, new services, spending more time with my top 20% clients, going to networking events, conferences, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so I think that's the biggest one is that people don't have a mental block over the concept of outsourcing. They just don't want to let go, plain and simple. And once you get out of that, what I call in the book, superhero syndrome, once you stop suffering from that and you realize that there are things that you can't do as an entrepreneur and there are things that you should not be doing that you might actually like doing, you might be good to doing those things. But once you realize that you shouldn't be doing them as the business owner, that you should be doing more high level tasks, it's like the floodgate open. Uh, it, it's, you know, it, it changes everything instantly overnight because then once you start outsourcing, you start delegating, you start seeing the productivity and the time ultimately that you are buying for yourself and your business every time you do that. It, it, you, you actually start thinking before you even start doing tasks, should I be doing this? Mm. Can I get someone else to do this for me? Mm. That would be worth 30 bucks. Yeah, I'll just pay that because mm. it won't take an hour of my time. You know what I mean? It's like mm. that. So, yeah, it, I, I think that's the other thing. And, I mean, in regards to the first half of that question, in regards to the type of stuff that you um, should think about outsourcing outright straight away is the stuff that you don't like doing. Plain and simple. It's not <laughs> rocket science. You know, you don't need to work for NASA to figure that one out at all. <laughs> if you don't like updating your Facebook page, then get someone else to bloody do it. If you don't like doing online research on your or competitive analysis or uh, research for content creation, get someone else to do it. If you don't like checking 300 emails a day, let go and put together a massive FAQ document with 40 questions and answers that you get over and over and over and over again and get someone else to do it, mm. um, you know, th there are certain things that our brain as an entrepreneur is programmed for and certain things that our brain is not programmed for. Um, one of the things that we're programmed for is wasting time. And we actually don't have a problem wasting time because we feel like if we do 12 hours in that day instead of nine, that we've had a productive, busy day. Mm. And that's BS. I call a massive amount of BS on that. Because if you can do something in nine hours and not 12 hours and still get the same result, whether you end up doing it yourself or not, then why are you even second guessing it? Just give it to somebody else to do. Mm. You know? And I think you just nailed it because it's the, the, the harder you work, the busier you feel and the more, the more valuable, the more worthwhile you feel. But the, the, the false economy is and the, the trick that you're pulling on yourself is just because you're busy doesn't mean you're actually being productive and adding a lot of value Not to the business. Not at all. And, and here's the thing. Once you get to a certain point in your business and it's deemed a success, quote unquote, success will only breed more work, mm. right? Um, and if you want to take that success level to another level, 
that means you've got to do all that work or you've got to start you know delegating it out and getting other people to do it so i always say in that you know there will come a time in our life cycle as an entrepreneur as a business owner that eventually we will have to make a choice and that choice will either be to break down and burn out or to build a team and once you start once you make that choice and hopefully the latter of those two choices um, not only do you get more freedom around you and your lifestyle and the way that you're working but also you end up creating more opportunities for other people Mm. to come in and you know become fantastic at what they do as well mm. and that's the other thing a lot of entrepreneurs we don't we feel threatened about the idea of someone coming in and handling something that we can handle perfectly well <laughs> because we don't want that person to be better than us like are you insane yeah. i i if i could hire you know if i could hire bill gates to come in and run my it department i would do it you know what i mean yeah. you know it, it's like the better the people I've got around me, the better it is for me, yep. my business, my customers, and all those people as well. And so, but it's we have issues. Us entrepreneurs, we have serious problems rolling around, and we need help. Yeah. <laughs> we need yeah, logical yeah. help, you know, to get over a lot of this stuff. And the thing you don't realize until you start hiring people is that there there are people that you can hire that will actually do the job better than you. Oh yeah, <laughs> but oh, it's yeah. The, it's the control freak inside that just will not let go. Yeah, and I mean it's it's one of those things that, you know, it's it, it, it's like I can't I I can do that I can upload WordPress to a server mm. and you know customize a premium theme that I've spent seventy nine ninety nine on, mm. uh, which looks perfectly good. Otherwise, I wouldn't purchase it. And then I'm going to turn myself into a PHP and CSS coder overnight and totally balls the entire thing up over the course of the next five days of wasting my time like what are you doing just buy it and give it to someone else or put it live the way it was like we have major problems don't we i mean that happened to me by the way i'm talking from perfectly good experience late 2009 i spent 80 bucks on a theme and then ripped it to shreds thinking that i'll be able to teach myself that just ridiculous and do you know what i did in the end you know what I did to fix the damn thing? I ended up outsourcing the Elance for 150 bucks from some guy from Switzerland or somewhere. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I figured you must have just had cameras in, in, in my home office for the last, you know, three years and been watching me do that because that's exactly how I started out. That's exactly that's what right. I was doing. There you go. Uh, we all did the same thing. So <clears throat> let's talk about Elance and Odesk for a minute. They just, they merged recently, uh, yeah. which was kind of big news. Why should someone use... What, if someone's currently outsourcing on Elance and Odesk, why should they go to like a? Because I think of you, I think of your service as like a curated marketplace of virtual assistants. For those that don't know, basically what happens is if you need an assistant, you give Chris's team a job brief. They find three candidates for you. You get them as a shortlist. You interview them. You make a decision to employ one. So it cut. It actually. I mean, that's very simplified. But they do a lot of the recruitment work for you, which you don't have to do. So. But in if someone's already using Elance or Odesk and having kind of you know varying degrees of success, why should they stop that model and why should they go through a curated service like yourself? What's what do you think the main advantage is? It's well, it's to find the right person, Troy. That's what it is. I mean, Elance and Odesk, freelancer, all those other job posting sites that are out there—they're great for what they are, and that is ultimately either one-off task or project-based type of outsourcing, right? But once you make that switch from, and a lot of people start off with those sort of types, and you get a logo done, boom. Transcription done, boom. Development on a landing page, boom. 
you know, a bit of research, keyword research, boom. They're one-off tasks. Once they're done, they're done forever. That's it. It's over and done with. But if you really want to create freedom, if you really want to build your business with this outsourcing model plugged into it, then you need to start building a team. And a lot of people, because of the nature of those job posting sites, a lot of people on those sites don't want to work for one person. They're quite happy to have the freedom to work for Troy today and Chris tomorrow and Bob next week and Mike the week after that. They're quite happy to work like that. Mm-hmm. Um, now, a lot of them do graduate. A lot of them start thinking about, you know, oh, this freelance gig, you know, it was, it was tough back in October. I only had one client. And here I am in November. I'm doing okay now, but I don't want that to happen again. I'll just, you know, i got kids or whatever. You know, I'm a single mom, whatever it is, right, whatever the situation is. And ultimately, a lot of them do start thinking about working with one person over a longer period of time. And that's where Virtual Star Finder comes in because we find those people. We develop those people, that mindset. We're here. Our feet are on the ground. Mm-hmm. We, we, run, we run boot camps and seminars all over the country. Almost every other month we're doing something somewhere in the country. And uh, because of that, we, we have developed this, this mindset of this is not a job. This is a career. You might be on the other side of the world or you know, five hours flight away from your boss, but this is not a, a, a one-time job. This, isn't, you know, this is a real career. You can work with real people, with real businesses, and make some really good money in the process. And that's what we're all about. Mm. Let's talk about, I hear this a lot. I was at a conference um, in, uh, on the other side of Australia last year. And um, there was lots of talk about, there was lots of anti-outsourcing sentiment, right? And it's because, it's because what happens is that, you know, occasionally uh, someone will get a bee in their bonnet about the fact that, you know, if you're outsourcing to, you know, developing countries and it's costing you, 300 bucks to have a website built then you shouldn't be charging your client any more than 350 bucks to deliver that website because you're not allowed to make profit so this is you know this is one of those conversations that happens all the time and whenever you're at a conference it's the elephant in the room right Uh, are you putting a noose around the computer there and strangling me yeah i've had enough of you that's it Uh, i'm I'm making sure that you don't disappear because i've only got six percent battery left right he's plugging the power in right yeah enough of this conversation i'm going to strangle you wrap it around the camera like this yeah so so how do you and i've heard i've heard dale beaumont speak about this at business blueprint i've heard dave jennings speak about this i'm interested in your take how do you what happens when someone says to you you know that they have an ethical or a moral problem with outsourcing tasks to developing nations how do you overcome that objection or how do you deal with that objection you know it's tough to overcome it and i don't honestly speaking i don't really try to uh, because we are way more likely we're programmed as human beings way more likely to believe our own opinions and ideas before that of anybody else's right Um, social media is changing that a little bit but uh, ultimately, that's just the way it is. And I actually, I, I was speaking in America about two years ago on the subject of outsourcing. And so the Q&A session opens up at the end of my presentation. And the first guy that steps up to the microphone says, um, I enjoyed your presentation, Chris. You're a very animated speaker. But I'm curious to know what you think about how, uh, you know, what you're preaching and what you're talking about here is ruining the economy in America. And- <laughs> Uh, taking all these jobs away from, from American people like me and everybody else in this room. And there was just a deafening silence. It was like, you know, if, if the old Clint Eastwood moves, you, you're expecting the little thing to float by. Yeah. But um, I just turned around and I said to him, you know, if that's your opinion, then that's up to you. Um, but if you honestly think that as an American that 
this is, you know, outsourcing is the reason why your economy is as bad as it is, then you've got bigger problems than your country does, buddy, because it's got nothing to do with outsourcing. It's got everything to do with all these damn foreclosures and the banks and all the rest of it. That's, you know, it's the powers that be that do that stuff. But then I just very simply said, you know, at the end of the day, I'm not necessarily saying that you need to outsource offshore. You can outsource into your own backyard mm. if you want. There's mm. just as many talented freelancers and virtual workers in America mm. than there are in the UK and Australia and the Philippines and India and Switzerland and you know Croatia or mm. anywhere. It doesn't matter. It's not about outsourcing to the cheapest developing country. It's about outsourcing to the best person for that role or mm. that task. Mm. Now, the fact of the matter is that developing countries will get those tasks done for a smaller wage because they're developing countries. Mm. So if you have a problem with doing that, then you don't do it. You keep it close to the home. It's totally up to you. But expect to spend some extra money on it. Mm. It's that simple. Um, the other thing is this, is that you know, the large majority, and I'm, I'm using that as nothing but an example. This, could, this can go for America or Australia or even, you know, the UK, whatever. The fact of the matter is, is that the large majority of the wealth in those economies around the world will come from small businesses, not these big multinationals that are all banking offshore and not paying taxes and all this sort of stuff, right? The large majority of the real wealth that the government and that country gets is from small businesses. It's mm. from Joe the plumber or Mike the carpenter or you know, you know, whoever it is, right? And these are the guys that need to bootstrap more than anyone else. These are the guys that need to watch the pennies more than anyone else. And these are the guys ultimately that actually need the help more than anyone else as mm. well. So that's my rebuttal to that objection. But ultimately, I don't try and fight it because people's opinions are what they are. You can't generally sway them. Yeah, yeah. It's a great... Uh, thank you for sharing that. It's, um, you know, the, we could sit here for days and talk about that, but that's a whole other conversation. Um, I'd probably get bored after a while. I've just got to be honest. <laughs> I'd move the conversation on yeah, to something yeah. else. Oh, look, I, I think it's fear. I just think it's fear of the unknown that that yeah. that that kind of you know they they that 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 objection really has taken the moral high ground. Where really, yeah. what I think is is fear of the unknown. Exactly. Um, all right, let's get into the elevation round. For those who don't know, WP Elevation is the world's first business accelerator program for WordPress consultants. So in this lightning round, I'm going to ask Chris a series of quick questions about freelancing and consulting, and Chris is going to draw on his wealth of experience to give me some quick answers just off the top of your head. Sound good, Chris? Yeah, let's do it. Awesome. Fire away. Awesome. Uh, what's the number one thing any freelancer or consultant needs to know? Be patient with your clients. You'll make more money. Oh, good. Good advice. Haven't had that one before. What's the best thing you've ever done to find new customers? Speaking live in awesome. front of audiences. Yep. L love it. Uh, how do you stop competing on price? <laughs> uh, I don't bother. It's never bothered me. I just I pr I promote nothing but sheer value, and I deliver. Plain and simple. Yes. Don't don't over you know don't don't over promise really at the end of the day. But uh, yeah, I I don't compete on price. I I know I'm worth what I charge, and that's all that really matters. Brilliant. Uh, any tips on writing better proposals? Proposals, yeah. Um, I would say, God, you got me on this one. Better proposals. I would say, yeah, probably not. Don't over deliver. Under promise and, and over deliver. Sorry, rather don't over promise. Under promise and over deliver. Yeah. Got it. Nice one. Uh, do you have a favorite tool for CRM? Uh, 
I probably use Basecamp, uh-huh. I think, um, above and beyond everything else. But I mean, when you talk about you know CRMs and what they what they are and everything, I, I yeah, I think probably Basecamp is my main one that I go to. Uh, we also use Asana. Yep. internally for a few things as well and it's free which is a result yep um wonder how long that will continue <laughs> but uh sooner or later they'll change that i'm pretty sure but yeah that and i mean you know it's not necessarily crm you know kind of focused but uh skype is really my thing i, I mean I love my favorite tool on the planet yeah, yeah. yeah it's a good one isn't it yeah. uh what's the best way to keep a project and a client on track communication outright communication doesn't matter how you do it whether it's through base camp skype email phone calls whatever just communicate with them if something's going to take a little bit longer be honest and upfront and tell them that and that way they can't get upset with you great advice any ideas for getting referrals ask mm. just freaking ask for them <laughs> just ask outright not enough people do it yeah, yeah. and I, I i reckon right now that if you started to ask outright for them right after a job has been completed and they're all warm and fuzzy feeling uh you you your business would just explode exponentially i mean it, yeah not enough people ask for whatever reason like you've done a great job ask for some referrals yeah you know? and the best time to ask is when they love you the most right absolutely absolutely uh, and finally in the elevation round what's the number one thing you can do to differentiate yourself i think it's to be yourself literally um you know we talked a little bit about it at the beginning of the call where we were talking about the problem with being original and that you're the original factor in everything that you do i think so if you want to differentiate yourself i don't think it comes down to necessarily services or pricing or the way you market yourself or anything like that but i believe that uh we're going back several decades here back to the 20s or 30s where you know remember the old remember the the, the milkman that used to deliver the milk mm. early in the morning oh, i remember that growing up that in the 70s in england there was always the milkman that would come along my mum knew his name i can't remember now you know and just she'd hello mike all right lucy you know all that sort of stuff there was that what i call the p to p connection that people to people connection and it's huge now and i think because of the whole B2B and B2C type of world that we've lived in for these last 50 odd decades, uh, 50 odd years rather, that we've lost that. And mm. I think that people today want to do business with other people yeah. rather than brands. And I think that for your audience standpoint, all freelancers and coaches and consultants and people like that, be, your, be yourself. Mm. Tell personal stories. Talk about you know, your kids and, and your travels and what you've learned using this tool or that tool or, or doing this or that because people will really resonate with that because ultimately we're all the same. We have slightly different DNA, but we're ultimately all the same. And we want to learn. We, we live um, you know, uh, vicariously through other people's experiences. And ultimately, that's all we are. As marketers, we're just storytellers. Yep. Don't, don't try and put any kind of sugar on the top of that. We are just storytellers that's that's the best way to market is to tell stories yeah great advice for the elevation round thank you very much um listen just on content you you create a lot of content and you're quite transparent with your personal journey and your journey as an entrepreneur have you got is there one tip you would give if someone is either not creating content or they're starting to create content but they're struggling with the time suck and they're finding it's taking a long time to create content what's the one tip you would give them to kind of ramp up their content strategy I don't I don't think it's necessarily about ramping it up. I think it comes down to doing the best that you can and not putting mediocre content out there. There's nothing worse for me than going to a site that I've enjoyed looking at content before on 
and seeing a piece of fluff just thrown up there for the sheer fun of it. Oh, it's Wednesday. I need to put a blog post up there today. You know, that's BS. You should only ever publish content when you feel that you're genuinely creating value for the person that's going to come across that content. Because we want that content to be, firstly, we want that content to be consumed, right? Genuinely consumed. And then right after that, we want them to share it. Mm. Uh, whoever comes on, it's, it's about having your concept, uh, your content consumed and then shared. Because once it's shared, it has the opportunity to go somewhat viral. And that's what we're all about online with what we're doing marketing-wise. But I don't think it's really ramping it up. And I think, you know, there are simple things that you can do, like keeping to a schedule. Like I'm going to blog once a week. That doesn't mean you have to do it every Wednesday. It just means at some point in the next week, you've got to put a good piece of content out. But I think, you know, ultimately, Troy, it, it really comes down to not overextending yourself. Because once you do that, you end up developing fluff and publishing fluff and then you're known as a fluff guy and and nobody wants to I nobody wants fluffer. to be a fluffer <laughs> i didn't say it you said it i didn't say that it's a family show i didn't say that you just brought it right down on all on your own um no but nobody <laughs> had nothing to do with me everybody it was all troy no i i i, I want to be known as a guy that's a genuine source for real hardcore quality content that people can genuinely take away yeah and take action on and and that's really my main focus yeah awesome that's really good um all right just before we wrap up what is the future for virtual star finder and location 63 where do you think this is going to go over the next couple of years um that's a really good one i i think uh i think it's just about continuing to listen to the audience and continuing to develop products and services that the audience generally wants like virtual Starfinder came out of a blog comment like i said because of the audience member that wanted it location 63 came out of the client base like yourself of virtual Starfinder that want their vas to work in a more kind of professional type of environment where there's redundancy such as internet backup and backup power generators for power outages and, and stuff like that so i don't know what will will happen next in terms of what we end up coming up with um but what i do know is that the audience will be will continue to be our number one source of inspiration in regards to how we continue to run our business and focus on on really providing those solutions to the problems and it's also about you know it, it's also about spreading this as well it's about spreading the message of the book and and what this virtual freedom concept is all about because you know i didn't write that book for the advance i didn't need that money that badly. I wrote that book so that I could get the message out there that, you know, the misconception of entrepreneurs having to do everything themselves mm. doesn't need to be, it doesn't need to be that way at all. And once you discover that there is another way to be able to make it all happen and genuinely walks you through step by step to help you make that happen, uh, you know, hopefully the, the doors will open up and you'll walk straight through. And I imagine burning out twice was a pretty big motivating factor for writing the book. Yeah, it was. It was indeed because I had enough of it. It's never going to happen again. Not going to yeah. happen. That's that's why I play with dinosaurs for three yeah. hours on a Saturday morning. It's exactly you know that that kind of thing. You you realize you you get to see the symptoms um, before it really kind of comes down on you. Mm. Uh, and as long as you can notice what those symptoms are and and you realize that you're about to hit that overwhelm, you can usually pull right back. Mm. Uh, it almost happened to me again at the end of last year, believe it or not. Mm. And uh, I, I turned around and said, that's it. Clear my schedule for the next two weeks. 
but boss, we've got all these interv there's interviews and then there's that. So I don't care. Just cancel everything. I don't want to talk to anybody for a couple of weeks. I want to focus in on, and that's exactly what I did. And yeah. uh, luckily I escaped it. Yeah, dodged a bullet there. Yes. Uh, speaking yes. of the book, Virtual Freedom by the one and only Chris Ducker is coming out on the 1st of April. Uh, he's very kindly offered to give away a copy to our listeners. So the way we're going to run this is if you leave a comment under the video and tell us the number one thing that's holding you back from starting to build your virtual team, I'll get Chris to swing by in a couple of weeks and award the prize to the most interesting comment. How's that sound, Chris? Love that. Love that. Awesome. Yeah, that's a great idea. What's the number one piece of advice you would give any entrepreneur trying to build their own business? I think I know the answer to this. <laughs> um, it's to not try and do it all yourself. <laughs> you walked into that one. It, it really isn't. Because, you know, you, you can, you know, honestly speaking, we've all joking on one side, you can build a business by doing it all yourself if you want. Mm. But you're going to cap. You are going to end up clipping your wings in terms of success ratio. Yeah. And I think once you start thinking about the idea that, you, you know, you don't have to and you shouldn't be, doing it all, and you do start delegating and building that team, um, once you get to that point, you, you, then, then you're running a business. The business is not running you, mm. and there's a big difference between the two. There is, and I did, there's something I read in the 4-Hour Workweek, <clears throat> when I read that by Tim Ferriss, he said, you know, if you can pay someone an hourly rate to do something that is less than your hourly rate, then it makes sense to do that, right? And then, I mean, in basic maths, it does make sense. But what I've learned from outsourcing and delegating and having a small virtual team is that the more interesting conversation is when you get that hour of your life back, if you can then use that hour to generate more growth in the business and more revenue, then it's costing you to pay that staff member or you just get more headspace back so that you can think clearly about mm -hmm. how to strategize the business and what your next joint venture is going to be or what the next product is going to be or spend time with your top 20% clients, as you said, then that's actually a more interesting um, calculation than just saying, well, I'm paying someone X amount because that's cheaper than what I charge. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, that's why I say, you know, if, if anybody ever tells you that you can't buy time, look them very clearly and squarely in the eyes and tell them you're talking BS because Chris Ducker tells me I can. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Where can people reach out and say thanks for this interview, Chris? Uh, I'm all about uh, Twitter, at Chris Ducker. My blog is chrisducker.com, and the book is virtualfreedombook.com. Beautiful. I'll put all those links and everything we've spoken about in the show notes underneath this video, so make sure you get back to wpelevation.com slash chrisducker. That's all one word, no hyphens or spaces, spelt exactly as it sounds, and everything you need will be there. And finally, who would you like me to try to interview and why? Richard Branson. Oh, you're the second person that said that. Yeah. Can you get I'm me an introduction? <laughs> No, I, if I could, I'd have him on my podcast already. Um, that's the one guy, you know, I, 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 so just as a, a quick aside, the one, one of the things I've done for the last sort of four or five years now is uh, around the middle of December, I, 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 I kind of identify and establish three influencers that I'm going to follow in the next year to learn about how they run their business and grow their business. Um, and uh, for every single year since I've started doing that, Richard Branson's been on that list. I've never taken him off the list mm. because with every single year that goes by, he just becomes more and more and more of a, I don't know, I, I, not inspiration, it's the wrong word. I just want to know more and more and more about how he does what he does with every mm. passing year. The guy's just freaking amazing. Mm. And I would love to um, 
I'd love to be able to have a cup of coffee with him or get him on the show. Or uh, it doesn't matter. You know, I've lost count of how many uh, YouTube videos I've watched of interviews with him. Um, you know, and all the rest of it. And he's one of only about five blogs that I actually subscribe to. Mm. So you know, these are the things that um, you know that that encourage me to sort of keep going and, and like i said he's been on that list ever since i've started it so yeah get 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 richard on okay. i hear you loud i hear you loud and clear uh, richard branson courtesy of chris ducker and derek sivers who have both asked me to interview you i am somehow sometime coming to get you so keep your yeah, eyes buddy. on your inbox <laughs> there you go and let me tell you something the 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 uh, the focus on continuing to go after someone and get someone for a show like that mm. you'll get it Mm. You will get it eventually if mm. you continue to just ask and ask and ask and ask and ask. Yeah. Eventually, you'll wear him down and he'll say, all right, for yeah. the love of money, yeah. let's do it. <laughs> well, Seth Godden's already rejected me once, so I just got to keep chalking him up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And Seth, Seth is generally pretty good with his time, so I think you must have caught him at a tough time, I think, probably. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Hey, Chris, thanks for spending some time with us on the WP Elevation podcast. I really appreciate it. And I wish you all the best with the book coming out on April 1, Virtual Freedom. And I wish you all the best with Virtual Star Finder and Location 63 and everything you're doing. And I look forward to keeping in touch. No, it was good, mate. Good catch up. Thanks for having me on. Cheers. Thanks. Once again, this episode of WP Elevation podcast is brought to you by the WP Elevation Business Acceleration Program for WordPress consultants. To learn more, visit wpelevation.com and come and join this awesome community of WordPress consultants all working together to elevate and build better businesses. All right. Uh, also, visit wpelevation.com slash subscribe and subscribe to the podcast to make sure you never miss an episode. Everything you need for this episode with Chris Ducker, all of the links, all of the resources uh, will be in the show notes. So just visit wpelevation.com slash Ducker. That's C-H-R-I-S-D-U-C-K-E-R, Chris Ducker, all one word, no hyphens or spaces. And remember to leave your comment underneath the video and tell us the number one challenge that you've got or the number one thing holding you back from starting to build your own virtual team. And Chris is going to come by in a couple of weeks and award that prize of his book, Virtual Freedom. So make sure you leave a comment under the video. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the WP Elevation podcast as much as I've enjoyed making it. And of course, until next time, go elevate.